I think Ireland are going to have to carry three tens. Johnny Sexton, of course you're going to have to carry a third ten. Mm. Crowley and Ross Byrne will go with Johnny. But one injury of those three and Joey's then travelling. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. The football kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Welcome along to the football kickoff with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sport. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. That is the best place to interact live with us here on the show each Friday. Uh, you can leave us a comment if you're a subscriber to our YouTube channel. For most teams, it's three games left in the Premier League, still four to wrap up for some, uh, but we'll be focusing on both ends of the table. The relegation fight is still very hard to call at this point. Arsenal are assured of a top two finish following their win against Newcastle last weekend. And so Man City both in action this Sunday in live games you can hear about here on Off the Ball as well we'll tell you more about that in a little bit but the title race continues and the race for the top four is still alive with Liverpool now just behind Newcastle and Manchester United in the race for the top four delighted to say Keith Tracy's here alongside me we've got Colin Boog as well how are you getting on lads? Thanks for having us Hi Keith Um, Big weekend of football Um, we're coming obviously off the back of Manchester City playing in Europe against Real Madrid Uh, some surprise results last week including that Brighton thrashing of uh, that by Everton that we didn't really expect to happen we thought Brighton were going to go and get a result there but it's changed around the complexion towards the bottom of the table Keith with um, Leeds losing against Manchester City then the results going against them so they now sit inside the bottom three Uh, John Giles on us last night he reckons Leeds are in big trouble and are potentially going to go down now we talked about their home record a lot and the first game we're looking at his leads against Newcastle which is half 12 on BT Sport tomorrow Leeds now with just one win in five at Ellen Road over the last bit as well Big Sam's got a job to keep them up now yeah, he does. We all knew it was going to be a massive, uh, a massive ask for Sam. They've a couple of games left, and I, even this Newcastle game, I'm not saying Sam and the team would have wrote it off in their heads, but I don't think anybody's really expecting Leeds to go and get something from this with their with the home form being so poor as well. Having one in five now, defensively huge, huge problems. I, I just don't think the defenders are up for it. You look at the the back four that started the last game: Firpo, Ailing, Christiansen, and Wolber. They're nowhere near good enough to play in the Premier League week in, week out. But Sam's remit is not to come in and make these players better. It's just to fire them in, to keep them in the league somehow through hook or crook. It's not going to be pretty, but conceding 69 goals in 30, 35 games sort of tells you where the problem is. They've an awful lot of good players, players that can score goals. Rodrigo, Sinistieri, Harrison, Somerville. But I think with Newcastle coming in and what happened, what Arsenal did to Newcastle last weekend, I think Newcastle will have the bit between their teeth and... Yeah, Leeds only 19% of the ball against Manchester City, so could be a couple of heavy legs there as well. But look, Sam will demand something. The first 20 minutes will tell us an awful lot because what Newcastle do to teams in St. James is high energy, high press, uh, lots and lots of endeavour. Leeds will try and do that to Newcastle in the first 20 minutes. So the first 20, 25 minutes of this one will be, will be big, but I can't see anything other than Newcastle's class shining through. Yeah. No. Knowing Allardyce yourself, what would he have said first day in the door with these Leeds players? He he would have had a look at people. The first thing he would have done was probably an eleven v eleven. He'd have, he'd have mixed up what he thought the best team was. You know, made it quite uh, quite even in the eleven v eleven. But he would have had a look who's who's tackling well, who's putting their head in front of things, who basically looks like they're up for the fight. You yeah. know, that's what he would have been looking for. And like you said, he's not coming in here to try and improve any of these players. He's not going to tell them how to play. He's just going to put a defensive structure on it get them running through brick walls and see what they can do and I, I look I tell people all the time people think the Premier League is it's obviously is technically it's it's one of the best leagues in the world but if you run around and get a bit of sweat on the jersey and just try fans will largely accept that and uh, what kind of drills will Robbie Keane be doing with the strikers do you reckon well finishing drills an awful lot of finishing drills I think Bamford yeah Bamford is one who needs he needs a little bit. He looks a little bit off, and I'm not I'm not having a goal. I know he's been in and out with with injuries, but the likes of Rodrigo, the top goal scorer, he didn't he didn't start against Manchester City. You would imagine it's going to be a very very different game, but it's not one that I think Leeds expect to get something out of. But if Leeds were to come away with a draw there, you know I wouldn't be too surprised. Would Robbie be an arm around the shoulder type coach, do you reckon, or would he be a, like, come on, you're way better than this. This is no good. Well, I, I'm not too sure what Robbie be like as a coach. When I, I played with Robbie, uh, one of the only games I ever started for for Ireland was against Northern Ireland in the Aviva, and and Trapattoni said said his uh, team talk, and I was still pretty much in the dark with what he was saying because the the English was so broken. But then Robbie took over and 
such a the, the pride of and, and the Irish pride just burst out of him he was telling us it's a derby against Northern Ireland and we go and put these to the sword and it was proper most motivational and he was just sees that he's a proud proud Irish man and look I'm sure he'll be that'll be he'll be projecting that on now to the to the lead strikers have a bit of pride in what you're doing and try your best but there's nobody better is that to teach you how to hit the back of the net. Was that game the, the Carling Home Nations Cup? Or I'm not sure exactly how they branded it. Carling Cup of Nations, yeah. yeah. The, Nations. I, th- I think it's still the last trophy Ireland won. Yeah, yeah. you won that was saying that. You won that. Yeah, well, I, I don't know whether that really counts. It was just a... Where's your medal? Of, it wasn't a medal. It was like a little plaque, where, like a, a little glass plaque with a, like a 3D thing of the Aviva in it. So it wasn't really a trophy, but a nice little thing. I call into the Tracy Gaff now. Will I see it? Like, is it front and centre? It's in my ma's house. It's in the oh, shrine. Right. So you'll have, to, you'll have to wrestle off her. All right. I'll try my best. <laughs> What's the best <laughs> thing she's got in the shrine then? Uh, there's a couple of uh, man of the match things for Ireland underage, like a couple of Waterford crystal bowls and stuff like that. Uh, medals. I actually haven't been in the house in a while, so I'm not too sure myself, but it, it's it's kept on the lock and key anyway I appreciate we've gone off the beaten track here, but why not keep them in your own house like I always wonder about this because Kenny Cunningham was telling us that basically his championship medal and most of his important jerseys are in a bag sitting somewhere in his parents house yeah I, th- I think when you're when you're inside the circle they they don't really mean that, that much to you because you're a footballer you, you've been through it but I think my ma just likes to have them there it's, it's a bit of a talking point when you walk into the sitting room and people see it so Look there, my mother and my father were a big part of what, what I did in football, so if they want to have them things, they're more than welcome to them. Have you seen David Myler's gaff, where he's got all of his jerseys framed up behind his very nice shot? Yeah, that looks like an awful lot of work and very, very expensive, so it, would, it wouldn't be something that I'd be too keen to. I, I think I, I, I asked for one jersey in me, in me whole time, and it was Robbie Keane's Liverpool jersey. I asked, Benny McCarthy asked Robbie for it, and Robbie gave it to me, and I gave it to my brother. My brother's a big Liverpool fan, and yeah. he plays five-a-side games in it. As all the Premier League stickers, Robbie Keane on the back, and you're thinking he'll he'll cherish that. No, 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 just plays five side now. So <laughs> I, I presume nobody believes it's actually Robbie Keane match worn jersey. This expected probably not. People probably just looking and go, oh, he's gone and got Robbie's printed on it. But it's actually Robbie Keane's match worn Liverpool jersey. So yeah, running around the five side somewhere. Superb. Newcastle, as you mentioned, obviously they need a response after what happened last week. We were we were kind of thinking that's a very tricky game for Arsenal to navigate, but Arsenal played very well and they've ended this Newcastle run at home, which was really good. But Newcastle are also quite good in the road. I was looking at their away record. They've won four of the last five on the road. So no surprise, obviously, they're sitting inside the top four. They've been good home and away this year. Yeah, they've been excellent. It's, it's very hard to, to look at anything that, that Newcastle can really improve. Defensively, very, very solid. Some some of the best defenders in the Premier League this season. I think Botman's been brilliant. Dan Bourne uh, going there has been excellent. Only eight million as well. So some of the some of the signings have been really, really good. Up the top of the pitch, players are improving. Joe Linton, Almiron, Bruno Guimaraes, Lincoln, everything from back to front. And I say this all the time about Newcastle. If you were to replace two or three of their starting eleven with some class players... Champions League players I think these become a, a really really good team look at Arsenal were excellent against Newcastle they really were but as an Arsenal fan I was terrified when we were going to St James's having seen what, what can happen to teams up there what happened to Spurs up there when uh, Murphy hits the bar in the first two minutes uh, Ramsdale makes a couple of saves and then all of a sudden Odegaard just switches it on and it was, it was brilliant from Arsenal. We rode our look a bit, but I think every team is going to have to do that at St. James's when it's bouncing like that. So Newcastle, I think, will, will demand a bit of a bounce, but I don't think it's an easy game. But like I say, I think if Newcastle can match the intensity of Leeds, the clash will just shine through. Mm. There's no chance Newcastle fall out of the top four, is there? Possibly. With Liverpool, like, it's hard to get behind Liverpool. I know Liverpool's fixtures, they, they've won uh, five on the bounce now, but... I think there's been an air of luck in, in one or two of them games so it's very hard to say Liverpool are in great form they're, they're blowing teams away it's not it, they're sort of just getting over the line and look that's a great that's a great thing to have in your in your Arsenal as well so fair play to them but I think as an underdog looking from the outside in I'd like to see Newcastle do it just because it's been so long and last year they were in a relegation battle at Christmas so it'd be great to go from a relegation battle at Christmas to Champions League football the following season Yeah I think expectation would be that Newcastle as you say a difficult game but probably should win I mean from Salmaris' point of view does he come in and I won't say a free hit but look at the first two games and think no one's really expecting us to go get something at the Etihad or to beat Newcastle at home it's probably the last two games that are going to determine what happens to Leeds yeah, you would have thought the last two games, especially the the West Ham one, if, if West Ham obviously got a good result in the, in the Europa competition last night, so they might get to the final, they might have one eye off, they probably will be safe in the Premier League as well, so maybe the West Ham one will be a big one, but Everton are playing Bournemouth as well the last game of the season, so it looks like everything's just going to keep being in the balance, but... 
yeah, I, I think Newcastle, or sorry, Leeds will target the last two games. But like I say, I, I know in the back of my head it, it sounds quite contradictory. I don't think Leeds expect to get anything from this game. But Sam will just be thinking, if we can keep Newcastle quiet, get them a little bit disinterested, maybe hit them on, a, on a, the counter-attack. Our set pieces will be huge in this game as well. This is one of the many uh, Sam Allardyce derbies now, Leeds-Newcastle. It's hard to believe that he managed them with only eight short months in 2007. And when they uh, appointed him, he arrived by helicopter May 2007. And eight months later, he was shown the door, company car taken off him. He had no way of getting home, so he had to get a lift off his agent. Got the, helicopter. the mighty, the mighty has fallen that quickly because up until then he was at Bolton for so long. Like you've considered him one of the the longer serving managers in the Premier League, but he's become this kind of troubleshooter ever since Newcastle. That was a turning point. Like, is he as good as he raised himself in that first press conference for Leeds? He is. Like people, when when you hear I'm as good as Pep Guardiola, people think uh, they they liken that to playing football like Pep Guardiola he's not tactically the same as Pep Guardiola but in terms of what he does as a manager I mean look, I said this last week on the show if you're in a relegation battle which leads are you don't want Pep coming in the door because Pep is there to improve players bring a philosophy in play from the back all this sort of stuff that takes weeks if not months to get into the team Sam Allardyce is just going to go in there and make them harder to beat. Hopefully they'll nick goals and on set pieces. And they have talent in the team like I say some of the strikers are very very good they can hit the back of the net they haven't been able to keep people out. That's the big, big worry. But like I say, Sam will just put a, a little bit of rigidness in there, a little bit of stubbornness. And if they can keep teams out, they have half a chance. But it's been very difficult keeping teams out so far. What's he like as a manager, as a man-manager then, Sam does? He's actually quite good. I actually... Like me, when I was at Blackburn, Sam Allardyce got rid of me, and we we parted ways. And I I was in and out under Sam, and he was defensively very very rigid. Almost told you what you do what to do when you had the ball. There was no sort of free play. Do what you like. So it was, as a winger, I presume you were expected to tuck back more. So yeah, it was. Yeah, it was always think about defensively rather than attackingly. It was pretty much the same under Trapattoni. Don't don't leave yourself exposed going uh, backwards. Always think about what could happen rather than what you can do forward. So you're always thinking defensively. But Sam. You know, it, it's strange to think because, like I say, he he finished my time at Blackburn. We didn't get on too well in a professional sense, but off the pitch, I've all the time in the world for the bloke. He really was absolutely spot on with me. He was nice. He was a little bit heavy-handed at times, but I wasn't the best player in the world to be managing either, so he had to be heavy-handed with me at times. But man management, he gets people to run through brick walls. He gets them motivated, and I think that's all you can ask for when you're in a dogfight is that the lads give everything. Do you know what he did with uh, his payoff from Mike Ashley in Newcastle? Something ridiculous. Bought himself a lavish villa in Spain's Casa Blanca, swiftly dubbed Casa Saint James. <laughs> that surprise you? No, I, I have a, a little story for you. Is we were uh, we were in Austria on, on a pre-season tour, and you know you, you charter flights over to these mm. places, and we were flying back, and uh, the plane hadn't taken off from the, whatever airport it was in. So the the girl was like, "Listen, it has to get the landing gear fixed, and then it'll be over three or four hour delay." Sam said, "No, not having this." So he's like, "I've started another plane around." Oh yeah, we have a plane that's on the tarmac. We can get it turned around. Sixty thousand pound. Jesus. He just whipped his car out. Now I'm sure he got it back from Blackburn in the end, but <laughs> to be able to whip the, the old debit card out and just go, yeah, well, no problem. Like, but that sort of thing. Like we're all sitting in big recliners on the plane on the way home. You're thinking, yeah, this guy's all right. Like, <laughs> he looked after his players and he does that, so he, he knows how to get players on side. Big Sam's gold card. Uh, any normal manager would have said, no problem, we'll, just we'll, wait. we'll go back into yeah. the airport, we'll have a drink and we'll get back in three hours. That's time. what I'd have no. done. I'd have gone to the bar and bought everybody a point. Yeah. It's a little bit cheaper, isn't it, than the 60 grand? He's got to be a good night out, Sam. I've had a couple of meals from a couple, wine, of, like. couple of glasses of wine and look, he, he is a nice bloke. If he was to sit here, he just enjoy his company. Professionally, as a player, it gets a little bit bogged down in the percentage football and stuff like that. But look, as a person, I think everybody would actually enjoy his company and having a bit of a point or a bit of dinner. That's very interesting. Jonathan Wilson was saying last week, well, he had an article as well about it where he was saying that Big Sam was almost like a manager who was ahead of his time in the 2000s, but maybe time has gone past him now that he is old school but maybe we thought he was too old school at the time when actually he was looking at diets looking at stats looking at all that kind of stuff very early on yeah he was he was big into that sort of stuff I, I remember him whipping me into into his office one day and, and showing me uh, Martin Gams Pedersen's uh, stats and I think they were playing United or something but he, he had sprinted forward as quick as he could and, and the, the play had broke down so he turned around and sprinted back and we had won it again and he'd done about six or seven doggies at full pelt and he was like that's why Martin's in my team 
and he had all these stats to back up the running pass and accuracies how many times you crossed the ball and that was one of the big things he put into my head as a winger at half time he would always say in my head how many times have you crossed the ball this half and it was just something that I would I would inevitably start doing I crossed the ball four or five times and a half and I knew it was coming how many times four or five gaffer and then it'd be well how many had quality on them and you'd get broke down again but look I, I, he gets bogged down as this sort of dinosaur old school he, he's not like that he's not he is scientific he reads into all this stuff it will be 4-5-1 quite rigid percentage football but he will be looking at the science of it all and just trying to eke out any little percentage he can so he's far from a dinosaur mm. Morton Gams Patterson hero of my fancy football team in 2006-2007 one of the most productive cheap players that you could buy that season he was fantastic Great left he, was like, he was like the cheap Ronaldo that year in fancy football uh, Manchester United against Wolves is a 3pm kickoff Premier Sport tomorrow um, Wolves at this stage are safe Keith after that victory against Aston Villa last week they officially can't go down um, Manchester United come in this on the back of what I'd, I'd say would be a disappointment because they played okay against West Ham but then that David De Gea error leads to them losing 1-0 and leaves the door open for Liverpool to get into the top four yeah, the De Gea one, I, I remember saying last week about United, maybe they need a couple of players, and, and I touched on the goalkeeper, so I'm not quite sure if people are having De Gea or not, and for me, it's just one mistake too many, it seems to, and I'm not talking about this season, I'm talking about his reign as a United goalkeeper, as United number one, it just seems to be a little bit flaky, and when you, that was a routine enough save, I know there's a slip on that, but he should be planted, he should be set for it, and you know, as a player, when you hit that shot, you're thinking that's not going in, and then it hits the back of the net against a Spanish international. You're thinking this, it's just not good enough goalkeeping. But yeah, look, I think the one thing that for uh, Eric Ten Hag is he has the the cup final coming up, and he can on the tour of June against uh, Manchester City, he can use that as motivation. He can crack the whip and say if anybody starts to tail off here, they won't be playing in the final. So he can use that as a little bit of a carrot. That's the one thing. But two points behind Newcastle. They play the game more as well. I'm just, I think it'd be, it new. It's Newcastle's to throw away. I don't think United can can go and catch them. But look, I, I think what more do United want? They've won a they've won a, a trophy. They might get Champions League football. Probably more than likely will get Champions League football. That's I think all that can be expected out of that squad. To be honest with you, mm. David Day is a conundrum, isn't he? Like. That goal he conceded against West Ham, it goes full circle. That goes right back to his debut 2011 Community Shield against Manchester City. Ed and Jekyll's goal from long range at Wembley, which is a slightly harder hit shot. But then, like in the, the middle of the last decade, De Gea was consistently United's best player, like officially, like named their best player. And he has the most clean sheets this season. Is his lack of concentration at times, it's because he's never been challenged in his 12 years at United for the number one jersey? Or, or has he reached the limit of his ability? It's hard to say. I think that probably is a bit of I'm the number one, and you need that competition in the team. You can't you can't have lads getting comfortable. As soon as you get comfortable, you start getting these flaky performances because they know they're not going to get dropped. But look at what you're saying about the gay having more clean sheets than anybody. I take that it's a double edged sword because the gay has made one or two mistakes, but you know you've only scored forty nine goals in thirty four games. That's yeah. the ninth best attack in the league. Not shocking, yeah. That's not good enough either. So the gayest mistakes have been highlighted because the attack are not putting the goals in. So if you if say for instance if you know you go and beat West Ham two one, nobody really cares about the gayest mistake because they're gonna win the yeah. game. The fact that they've lost it, it's been highlighted and it's jumping on him. But I think there is problems at the top of the pitch. Rashford sixteen goals and five assists. I think that's papered over an awful lot of cracks and people is saying you know, at one point people were saying can you know you're actually challenged for the league that was never going to happen the, the near realism to this is that they're exactly where they should be maybe even a touch of overperforming at the minute so Champions League football won a trophy great four season for Ten Hag Does that change a lot if they get a good number 9 in the summer? Yeah I'm not, I'm not sure who that is but say if they get in a good central striker yeah, well, I, I think everybody's looking for the central strike. Other than Manchester City, I think everybody's going to be in the market. I think uh, Arsenal are going to be in the market for another one. And United are in this this transfer window, well, when the transfer window comes around, that United aren't the big boys anymore. They can't just put a bid on the table and players are going to go to the team say, oh, I want to play for Manchester United. It's not like that anymore. Old Trafford is looking a little bit old. It's not quite the best stadium there anymore. It's not the best team. It's not the best squad. They're probably not even paying the best wages. So... Look, I, I don't know how Manchester United get the best teams to them, especially with well, with the Champions League football will help, but I don't know. When you're looking at the best players in the world, I don't see why they'd be attracted to Manchester United. Was it a massive salary, Champions League football, if they get it? Massive is that not salary. Enough? Yeah, it is, but who would, if, say, Liverpool and Manchester, certainly not Liverpool, if Arsenal and United are in for the same player, 
They're only going to go Which to Arsenal. Which not United? I mean, are Arsenal going to get better next season? I think so, yeah. I think Arsenal will get better. I think if, if you're playing in Europe somewhere and you're looking at the agent knocks and says, listen, Arsenal and Manchester United want you, I think Arsenal are a much better proposition. They're challenging for the league. They're a younger team. They look just more on the front foot. Arteta looks like he has better ideas and I think Arsenal are playing better football not just placing in the league I think Arsenal are a better team to watch than Manchester United up against Newcastle last week they were excellent and United at times have bored me but look there is little bits of class in there but at times it's been quite methodical a little bit boring but yeah I, I, I struggle to see how they get the best players in Would you have sympathy for tired players at this time of season like this that was United's first free midweeks in September is that a reason for five out of the last ten games they haven't scored Man City, Man City have a very similar schedule for example but obviously yeah, a far better squad Yeah but people would be saying yeah what they have on the bench what City can rotate the players they yeah. have I do have some sympathy for them but at the same time like it's, it is what it is you know the schedule is coming and if you're going to be an elite club in England you're going to play you're going to have a, a very very congested fixture list so it's hard to say I feel sorry for them but they should be doing better and being tired I, I get that but yeah. it's a fine a little push now players probably prefer playing games in training though do they of like course, every yeah. three because you don't have to do as much training obviously then you can't do that much training if you're playing every three days yeah but that that was one of the things I, I obviously played a big bulk in my uh, my career in the championship and a lot of it's yeah. Saturday Tuesday Saturday Tuesday and it's brilliant because Friday sort of a down day it's just tactical and maybe boxes small games Thursday you can't do too much because of your game on a Saturday you're off on a Wednesday and a Tuesday of a game anyway so the the week is sort of broke down to very little amount of training. Uh, and it's just games and I think every player prefers that but the one thing you don't want to be is a fringe player because if you're on the bench in these games and you're not getting the full whack of training all of a sudden you become unsharp you're not as fit as the lads who are starting every week and then the boy who you're, who's playing ahead of you gets injured and you're in and you're not quite sharp you're not quite where you need to be so it's a, it's a big big balancing act but yeah players prefer to play games than training mm. Colm you mentioned De Gea's record in goal so only 8 goals conceded by Manchester United at Old Trafford this year uh, they're 27 games unbeaten going back mm. to Real Sociedad back in September they are a very very difficult team to beat there yeah and funnily enough Wolves won there last year for the first time since 1980 that was all the way back in January and Ralph Ragnick was in charge last year yeah they're, look they're very good at home Will like they're shocking away that's the simple fact of the matter and I think the problem for Manchester United is that their season peaked on the 26th of February the League Cup final I remember going into that week everyone was waxing Eric about Casemiro there was a big piece in the Sunday Times but he's the best thing that's happened to United since Eric Cantona that was literally the comparison you had Verana Martinez in the middle of the defence and it was going out it was going really well for United but since then it's gone downhill a bit and like you say well it's absolutely correct point in that Old Trafford is a saving grace for United and that is the one huge improvement of the season not just the trophy for the first time since 2017 but the fact that the home form has drastically improved if they can match that in any way with the away form next season there will be a force to be reckoned with I personally think that it's, it's still a very attractive proposition you have a very forward thinking manager who seems to have an identity the problem they have is they have no number 9 like they have no number 9 and maybe a goalkeeper also, I think when Casemiro got that red card and he came out, he came out of the United team for three games. I, I'm not saying it unravelled, but he was a big, big miss. And if you're very reliant on a, I'm not sure what age you, 35, 36, Casemiro, to have that much uh, weight on him is an is an awful lot. Do you know with the seven 0 at Anfield when you're watching that? Could you ever relate to that? And there was there any game in your career like that where like it's every time the opposition shoots it goes in. And can you tell I talk to us about the mentality? Like, what would like elite players even be thinking then? Being like, does your head completely drop, or do you have some sort of like uh, automatic system where I'll be able to play ball a bit? Like, because they seem to just completely lose interest. Luke Shaw, particularly, and he's been a very good player this season. Yeah, well, look, I've, I've been on the the end of some batterings, all right. But when once you go two 0 down, three 0 down, yeah. you start thinking, right, the gaffer's going to get the tape out Monday morning. I'm going to have to start running around like a loon. Is that what it is? That's is that what self preservation. I, I thought he's not going to dig me out on Monday. I'm running around. They're going to put tackles in, and yeah. sometimes you can feel it's a bit noisy, and you just think, right, I'm going to rattle somebody and just get a yellow card because the gaffer will highlight that on Monday. And go, well, at least he's trying. And that, that was always my my thing. And But if I do that, if every player does that when you go 2 or 3 nil down and everybody starts, I'm going to protect myself, all of a sudden the team gets a little bit stronger. But yeah. players do also just say, I've had enough of this and I, I want out and don't want to know. But for me, it was always self-preservation. But that's where that bit of professionalism comes in and the bit of pride. You want players like that, that... 2-0, 3-0 if it's going to be 3-0 it's going to be 3-0 but it's not going to be made for because when it's 3 or 4-0 down like and the camera pans to the goal scorer and the team that scored in the celebration you rarely see how the opposition react maybe a camera shot for a second or two on a player but are you all looking around at each other being like I want to see people's reaction here or is it kind of head down like 
oh Jesus that was kind of uh, my fault there a bit it, it depends it's obviously it depends on the game but sometimes if, if somebody's made a mistake you might have a little quiet word in his ear I'm never one for them where you know when somebody makes an obvious mistake and you see somebody berating him you're thinking yeah. that's all for the cameras it is isn't it why yeah. do that because he knows he's made a mistake go over and have a word in his ear say you're better than that next time he'll be alright but for me, sometimes, like when, when them things start happening, I just got very, very selfish and thought, I'm going to run around, I'm going to give 100%, I'm going to rattle somebody, and I'm just going to. Obviously, we're going to get a, a bit of an earful on Monday because we've lost the game, but I'm going to protect myself somehow. Which manager gave the worst earfuls at Monday review sessions then? There was a few. Uh, depends on the results, obviously. But. It depends on the. Sam Allardyce was a. He, he could give them. Mark Hughes was a. He was a scaredy one. He was the. You know, the big tin. Uh, the skips he used to kick them coffee be flying everywhere it was <laughs> quite aggressive I'd be like 19, 20 sitting in the dressing room looking at this and look, it was all a great great learning curve but Deutsch as well Deutsch had a bit of fear but that I think fear is a brilliant brilliant motivator when you look at uh, when sports got hammered uh, up in St James's and they're coming in a half half time uh, 4-0, 5-0 down they look like a team that weren't afraid mm. Like I don't mean like actually physically I'm going to get battered when I go in here but just a bit of an earful just it just looked like a manager's team to me but I think teams that have that little bit of a fear factor like uh, Mark Hughes had the fear with me uh, Graeme Souness when I first went into Blackburn I had the bit of a fear with him and like the, the one the one manager I didn't have the fear with was Eddie Howe and I just couldn't get myself going under him and I think fear for me was a brilliant motivator I think Howe has to kind of act a bit tough because he looks uh, he looks very nice yeah I mean do, do players think like that yeah <sighs> He looks lovely. He yeah, the, the, the thing is, he, he's a nice guy. He, he, he's just probably a bit too nice. And like I say, with that fear, like if, if you're losing train ale and Eddie Howe's the manager, he might take... Like I remember he took me off a half-time in Southampton, uh, me and Dean Marnie, and he was still giving his team talk. He said, Keith, you're coming off. Dino, you're coming off. And Dino started just getting changed in front of him while he's giving the team talk and he's throwing his boots and you're thinking... It was just a lack of respect, but... Yeah. Eddie Howe didn't know how to approach it he just kept talking and look he was 33 when he got the Burnley job so I don't want to keep going back to it he's obviously evolved since then but yeah back in the day it was a it was a tough place from the beat. there was a few egos in Burnley but he doesn't look too different to then like so what's he, how's he getting the best out of these Newcastle players like have times changed like are players different or are they basically still the same as when you were playing because it's not that long ago like I think players have changed a little bit I think uh, the philosophy of, of football has changed like he, you have to Think he came into Burnley and Burnley didn't play an awful lot of football. Torfmore, the crowd didn't want to see football. I remember it, like playing on the wing, I would hear people shouting, get the ball forward, get the ball forward. It didn't matter where he was. And then for, for Eddie Howe to come in and say, We're gonna play out from the back and we're gonna do this, and the crowd just it, it didn't it didn't match up well. Like when we're drawing at home and teams and they're booing and you're thinking, you need to give us a bit of leeway here. We're trying to get a new a new way of uh, playing, but there was just no patience there and like I say I think players have evolved now and that Newcastle team is head and shoulders above the Burnley team he had and like you say he's getting that bit of patience off the St James crowd as well mm. It's funny they're okay with the different style of football under Vincent Company when they're going up this year but Yeah but again I think even even that, that team that say Eddie Howe had and Sean Dyche had and then Vincent Company had it's chalk and cheese but I have to say I got that one absolutely wrong when Vincent Company went into Burnley I did fear I thought they're going to throw a big name behind it and hope for the best but for somebody who's never managed in the championship never played in the championship I thought it was a huge ass to come in and change how he played but outstanding stuff over 100 points for Burnley this season brilliant brilliant stuff but can he do it next season in the Premier League is, is obviously the next big question What you make of this uh, Jason Tindall handshake gate there the last week people noticing that he's going ahead of Eddie Howe shaking the hands of managers before Eddie Howe gets a chance and Borough manager Gary O'Neill made his uh, point of going over Tindall to shake Howe's hand first is uh, is Tindall a kind of uh, eccentric character like? Yeah uh, JT was a a bit of a I, I, I wouldn't he sort of loves himself he's one of them guys who comes in his hair's always spick and span he goes out to train it's raining thunder and lightning but yet he still looks a million dollars you're just never quite sure what I mean a lovely lovely bloke him and Eddie actually work really well together because Eddie Eddie can be really really nice but JT can drop the hammer when he needs to and yeah look I think they're a good team together the two of them and 
it's obviously been proven at, at Newcastle, but I can't can't imagine Eddie when he sees the assistant manager storm and passing to shake somebody's <laughs> hand to be be too happy. No. But again, he's probably too nice to pull him and say, "Here, get back in your get back in your spot." Yeah. It seems so. The Twitter account is well worth following, which has a few yeah. pictures and uh, gifts made from it. Uh, keep an eye out for that. Sean Dyche, you mentioned, is one of those managers. Everton play against Man City uh, two p.m. Sky Sports this coming Sunday. Live commentary here on OTB. Stephen Doyle and Brian Kerr. If you're not watching on Sky Sports, Everton. We were talking about their lack of goals. We are talking about their lack of wins going back over the last 11 games. Maybe they were storing them all up for Brighton. Yeah, it was uh, it was unbelievable, wasn't it? I, I'm probably one of Sean Dyche's biggest fans and I, I didn't see this coming. I don't think anybody's seen this coming. You know, maybe a draw against Brighton, Brighton, the class that Brighton have, but some of the, the counter-attacking football from, from Everton was excellent. Dwight McNeil looked like yeah. Prime Messi at, at times. <laughs> it was unbelievable when he sits the goalkeeper down and just passes into the back of the net to finish right at the end as well. It was brilliant stuff. And Dwight McNeely, he can be f- so, so frustrating because you can see he has that talent, but you only see it in glimpses. And to be doing it in a dogfight when Brighton rock up, it, brilliant stuff, but we need to see it more. And I'm sure Dice has already come out and said, that's been put to bed now. We beat them 5-1, put it to bed. We don't don't rest on our laurels now. And Look, everybody's thinking this is a free hit for, for uh, Everton against Manchester City but if I was Sean Dyche and I'm sure Dyche is saying if we can win this game we're all but safe lads so let's not be sitting here on our merits oh, we beat Brighton we can afford to lose this one go out and have a real swing at these he had a tough game against Real Madrid I, the one thing is I'm looking at the changes they're going to make I, Foden was on the bench Mares, Alvarez Laporte Kelvin Phillips Rico Lewis all these lads didn't play against Real Madrid so the Manchester City team that, that rocks up will still be a very very good team an awful lot better than Everton on paper but I don't know I think Everton's confidence will be high Everton uh, Goodison Park will be bouncing but it, it, again it's just hard to see past that class in Manchester City Yeah it's one of those games where you could understand if they're a few percent below where they normally are because next week is looming they know they've that huge return leg against Real Madrid as you say massive effort had to go in at the Bernabeu on Tuesday night so I don't know I mean they can rotate and you've named out a list of established internationals who can come into the team and uh, who can freshen things up but you would understand if City weren't totally at the pitch fit on Sunday yeah, and look, as an Arsenal fan, that's obviously my big hope is that Manchester City rock up. They've one eye on, on Real Madrid during the week and Haaland doesn't, has a little bit of a knock. One or two don't really want to play and the likes of Foden and Mares, Alvarez, they come in and maybe they're sulking a little bit because they didn't play in the Bernabeu. I don't think any of these things will happen, by the way, but I'm very, very hopeful that they will. But I just think City are too strong. I think they rotate as much as they like. And I just think there's a there's a good core of professionals in there that will get it done. And I think Pep might even start with his strongest team and then start taking people off. He said, go out and win the game in the first half, two or three nil, and we we'll, uh, we start taking the big hitters off. But for Everton, with with the confidence they have, if they can keep it nice and tight, 20, 25 minutes, first half, nil all, anything could happen after that. Can you imagine the, the pressure Dwight McNeil is under now this week and everything because everyone's armour this is what you can do Dwight I've always said this is what you can do and now it's the same again now tomorrow against City like you have to first five minutes he gets no joy his head's going straight down like Kyle Walker's taking him out of the game does this happen to players like that out of nowhere have a brilliant game where they're playing to their potential finally and then is the next game that's the hard one isn't it because now suddenly the, the line might's back on you yeah of course but the, the one thing it will be quite similar in Brighton and Manchester City that Brighton will Brighton kept the, the large percentage of the ball Manchester City will keep the large percentage of the ball so I do think it'll be a counter-attack on the game for, for everything or set pieces and that's where Dwight McNeil will come into his own Manchester City won't give up the ball anywhere near as much as Brighton did so he won't get the amount of chances that he had against Brighton but when they do they have to be ruthless they've shown that he can be ruthless but Look, I, I just think City are too good and like I say with, with Kyle Walker Dwight McNeil can go past Kyle Walker and, and then Kyle Walker go and get yeah. back at him do you know what I mean so Heart it's not like you got you, if they may, if City make one mistake everything will be straight down the throat and hit the back of the net I don't think it'll be as straightforward as that but there is a way for Everton to win this game like you say with, if City come down 1 or 2% and Everton play above themselves with Goodison hopping could easily easily happen but on paper looking at Manchester City it's very hard to go against them City are unbeaten in 21 they've won the last 10 league games a player that's been central that is Jack Grealish for you is he having as good a season as everyone's saying it's hard to say I think he's a, it's a little bit overinflated yeah. he has been an awful lot better since Joe Cancelo went to went to Bayern Munich it's been an awful lot better I think it, when you leave when Jack gets the ball you need to leave him 1v1 you have to leave him 1v1 if Joe Cancelo or Nathan Aki starts making overlapping runs you're just congesting that part of the pitch for him he wants to run in there come back and what will generally happen is the right winger and the right back will go and get attracted to Jack he'll 
recycle the ball yeah. and all of a sudden they've an overload somewhere else in the pitch and that's what uh, Pep Guardiola wants now look it's not the most difficult thing to do is, as a winger run down mm. the wing come back and do that but it's creating overloads and that's what Pep wants and people are saying oh, it's, he's been brilliant he's been excellent when you look at his assists and you look at his goals it's, an, it's not off the wall oh. they're, not, they're not that good his performances have been an awful lot better but I still think there's a little bit more to come from I have to be honest um, I think he, he can give a, he can give a lot, an awful lot more assists and I'd like to see him hit the back of the net a bit more yeah so you think having someone like Aki or Akanji actually plays to his strengths much more so than say Zinchenko or Kinsella then? Yeah, because I, I, like I say, they'll stay put. I've, I've had it myself with, with uh, left backs who want to get round you and you, you're running at the right back and you think, right, here we go, 1v1 and then all of a sudden somebody's bombing around you and the centre half is coming over and all, all of a sudden it's getting a little bit muddled down. So now when Jack gets it, Ake or Akanji scream around, go on, 1v1, you have him and then all of a sudden the right back has to go and get, or the right winger has to go and help and like I say there's just overloads everywhere and I guess you know you've got that protection by comparison to say Cancelo will yeah. likely want to go past you exactly so if, if Grealish has the ball and he loses it and Cancelo's gone you know the, the arse is out the window so you have to really be careful so yeah I think it just makes him feel that little bit more confident that if I lose the ball here there's somebody behind me and we can get back but one thing that Grealish has done as well and it doesn't get highlighted is he tra- he's tracking back an awful lot better mm-hmm. You the amount of times he's nicked the ball in his own 18 yard yeah. box it's been yeah. an awful lot better so it's not just his attacking side it, it's the defensive side and tactically can you imagine how hard it would be to get into Pep's team to, to get into your head exactly what he wants every moment and look it's, it's been a, a much improved season from him since, yeah. uh, since Cancelo's gone but not quite as good as what some of the media are making now. Yeah, it's a difficult thing to adapt though I would think for Grealish because when you're at Aston Villa you've got the freedom to drift into different positions and he can dictate where he gets the ball and naturally his production numbers are going to be higher because he's so much more central to what they do. When you go to Man City you have to and Bernardo Silva does the same on the other side you have to accept you're playing a role for the team as opposed to being the star player that you may have been previously. Yeah, of course. Look, it's a, it's a team game. Like, if the game was all about just playing when you have the ball then I think about getting back into it the game is an awful lot more than just switching on when you have it so the one thing he's doing very well is he's, he's getting assists he's creating overloads he's dragging people he attracts people to him which is obviously what Pep wants to create overloads it's brilliant tactically but I'd like to see a little bit more individual brilliance from him at times because he has it he does have it we've seen at Villa when he decides on getting my head down I'm just going to run at people he, he has that but for me when you see him running down the wing and checking back that's that, that, that's all. I'm kind of fascinated by him. That that for me is nine times out of ten all he does. Yeah, but like I, I say, mean, but that sounds harsh. But I I do rate him. But that seems to be all he does. Yeah, and like I say, when you look at the likes of Mbappe to Grealish, Mbappe will get it, and you're just terrified he's going to skin you and leave you for dead. Grealish is not really he's not going to skin you. He, yeah. he might skin you, but then he'll come but, back and try and yeah, beat you exactly. again. And he won't stay away from you. Yeah, he, I don't think he has that pace either to get away from people. He might be able to get past them, but people will have a nibble back at him. But look, his bomb manipulation is very, very good. But like I say, sometimes it's a little bit disappointing when you see him 1v1, you think, go on, go for it. And he just comes back. And like I say, when you've Pep telling you in your ear, you're creating overloads, that's yeah. what I want. It's very hard. To, and it's an easy pass as well. It's the easiest thing in the world just to pass the ball backwards. So it's an easy one. But sometimes I'd like to see him just switch it and say, right, I'm going for the juggler here. Yeah. Just, just go for it. So. Yeah, not as good as what people are saying, but much improved from Jack Grealish. Do you fancy him to get past Madrid next Wednesday? I think they will, yeah. Uh, it was brilliant watching Rudiger and uh, Rudiger and Haaland going at each other, the, the physical battle off the pitch, because you don't generally see that. You know, When you're watching through the telly, you only see what's in the square, but when you came out and you looked at the whole thing, how Rudiger was really physical with him. Yeah, I, I, I fancy City to get through. Um, I don't think it'll be easy, because the one thing I love about Real Madrid and Ancelotti is... You know, City want eighty percent of the ball. You can have eighty percent of the ball. We're still going to beat you. Like they, they just find ways to beat teams. And I don't think it'll be easy. I don't think City'll go and you know blitz them three or four nil. I think they'll just get over the line. And you know, if they don't win it this year, you know, every year we seem to say. But I, ho- I hope they, likely. I hope they win it so that he leaves Pep. Do you think he leaves soon, soon oh, as he wins? He's it gets done off? the Champions League. It's like thank God for that. <laughs> he might have to retain it. Is the only thing for him. Sorry. Mm. he hasn't won it since twenty eleven. It's a damning indictment of one of the greatest managers ever. But that was with Messi, wasn't it? Barcelona, yeah. Barcelona, he's only yeah, one of with Messi. Mm. Now, no, like, I, you know when people say that, it's like, yeah, but he also managed Messi to greatness. Yeah. So he also had a part to play in it. Mm. But I, I have a feeling it's going to be a Madrid Inter final. 
I just have a feeling oh, Madrid are going to Madrid. I, I, like, no, I watched Madrid this season go to Liverpool, rip them apart at Anfield, rip Barcelona apart in the cup semi finals a few weeks ago. Yeah, you said it. When yeah. it comes to big games, you said it. Yeah. it. Yeah. Like I said this during the week on the show on the morning show, and people are on to me being like, "But you look at Man City's record; like they're unbelievable at the Etihad." But it doesn't matter. Like, like you said about Madrid, they don't even have a discernible style of play. Like they're just like we just know how to win games. Yeah. They're a reflection of their manager. But They're so calm and composed. It's actually like the fact that you you modern Kroos in there, uh, to Germany, all these players who love to be on the ball, but they're playing against a team that want the ball and are going to demand to have it for 80, 80% of it. And you just go, no, no problem. I think uh, it'll be about two all after 90 minutes and Madrid will win an extra time. I, I think I think City will be the better team and then you'll have Ancelotti with the eyebrow afterwards being like, I did it again. I, I'm... I, the only thing I question is if if Walker or Stones plays right back and Vinicius Junior is going to play play left wing and then you're, you're popping them into the midfield when they have the ball, you're leaving your, yourself exposed against their most dangerous player. So far be it from me to tell Pep how to set up tactically, but I would tell Kyle Walker just go and stand on Vinicius. Don't worry about attacking, go and stand on him. I'd say you would love to play for Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah, he just seems like one of their managers, doesn't he? Like he takes into account what the other team has. He says, "Yeah, they're going to want the ball. Let's let them have the ball. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. When we get it, we'll hold them." No, but you personally, I think you would love playing for Ancelotti over Pep. Yeah, well, I, I look. I think it's probably just a, a reflection on the managers I've had over the years. But yeah, I, I, it, the tactics are very, very easy. Get yeah. back, make yourself a body. Don't give them anything easy. And when when you get the ball, I don't. The great thing about Ancelotti is, I think when when Madrid win the ball. I don't think he's telling Modric and Benzema where to be doing and what to do. Yeah. He says, this is what I want you to do. When he's winning, go and do what you like. Go and score. But this is what I want defensively. And when a manager does that, tells you how to set up defensively, but then says, I trust you as a player, go and do it. You love it. Yeah, should be a cracker midweek. Arsenal against Brighton then, Keith, when we look at this, Brighton won three of the last four away from home against Arsenal. Um, but obviously they're coming pretty shell-shocked after what happened last week against Everton. And by... You know, contrast, Arsenal picked up that great win at St. James's Park. So how do you see this one going? Sunday afternoons on Sky Sports, half four, live commentary on OTB as well with Nathan Murphy and Kenny Cunningham. Well, it's, it's a must win for uh, for Arsenal to keep uh, keep the race going with Manchester City. The one, Arsenal were excellent. I think Odegaard was, was unbelievable. He really was. The way he relieved the pressure, the, some of his passing ability was unbelievable. And when it's helter-skelter like that and there's 80,000 people screaming at you, you just have that calmness that presence of mind in the middle of the pitch was excellent but the one person I, I want to speak about as well is Jorginho you know putting him in there I know in hindsight people are saying oh yeah well he's a very very calm person you would put him in in them type of games that was a big big call for Mikel Arteta to put him into that game and the way he, he I don't want to say game management I know Newcastle come out and said Arsenal were, were time wasting a bit but that's what you need to do. I, I spoke here last week and I said, it, it, you can't just sit there and go toe-to-toe at Newcastle. You have to be clever with it. You have to have a bit of game management. And I thought every aspect of the game, from Arsenal, game management, the way they attacked, the way they defended, the way they kept the ball at times, I thought it was outstanding. It, it really was. And it, the total opposite of Brighton. Brighton were, were so, so poor uh, when they got hammered. But I just seen signs that... Uh, Brighton are starting to slow down the season they've been excellent it's been a really good season for them I don't want to to put a negative spin on it as I'm looking through that, the top goal scorers McAllister with 10 Pascal Gross with 8 uh, Matoma with 7 and Sully March with 6 Leandro Trossard is still on that list with 7 so when you think of the players they've lost over a couple of years to just keep being at the, the right end of the table it, it's outstanding stuff for it is. And I, I love this area I think the when when Potter left Brighton, you're thinking this is Potter's DNA. Is he going to be able to take the mantle? If Anton has probably got better under the Zerbi, which is, you know, all credit to him. So after an embarrassing loss to Everton, Brighton will really have to bit between their teeth. But again, I back Arsenal after what they did against Newcastle. I I can't see past Arsenal. I hope they win just to keep it alive. We spoke about Martinelli's goals and Saka's goals. For Odegaard, I think it's now 16 without penalties he's scored this year. Scored some very important goals in recent weeks against Chelsea and against Newcastle. Like he's, it seems to be incredible to me, Keith, popping up in that little pocket of space. If a midfield loses track of him, he's a good long shooter as well. He's a very, very potent player to have in that gap between the midfield and the defence. Yeah, he's very capable uh, from the edge of the box. He's a great strike and he has that timing as well. He doesn't get ahead of the ball. Sometimes you see these centre midfielders and they're in the box before the ball even comes in and 
it's very hard to stand from a, a score from a standing header so the timing has to be right he has that it's like a like a young Frank Lampard Lampard was brilliant at those toward man running the edge of the box when people would just take their eye off him he just arrived late and bang and people would always say it just landed on him it doesn't just land on him he's timed out there and Odegaard seems to have a touch of that as well knows when to make the boxing Look, playing on the half turn the way he passes them balls through and Again, I had question marks over Odegaard when he came in. When he obviously a bit of a whiz kid at Real Madrid, but never really quite made the grade. And you're thinking, is he a bit of a youth flash in the pan type of thing? But nothing, nothing there. Nothing could be further from the truth. Absolutely excellent for Arsenal, and he's just getting stronger and stronger. With them goals without uh, without penalties as well, mm. great return. What area of the pitch do you think Arsenal need to improve in most over the summer? Uh, I, I'd like a, another centre forward. I, I'm absolutely happy with Gabriel Jesus. I just think injuries from time to time will will come and get him. So we do need some sort of backup there. We need backup in the wings as well. I know Trossard can play out there, but we sack it and Martinelli. Brilliant starting eleven. But if one of them get injured, you need to have a, somebody coming in of a of a level as well. And I, I think right back Ben yeah, say, yeah. Ben White, brilliant that right back. But I still think we need Tommy Yasu was not not really challenging Ben Wee so you need that competition within it and look if you bring Declan Rice in which is so I'm led to believe will happen the the competition in that team just goes through the roof and like I say next season with Champions League football it's going to be a big ask to to challenge on both fronts but if we do get the likes of Rice in I'll be over the moon with that Are you happy with uh, Ramsdale, Gabriel and Saliba? Yeah, I would be happy with them if you if you guaranteed me to be to be fit all season I wouldn't have to change that in there but the fact is, I don't think they will be Ramsdale. I mean, I I said this last week. I I can make a, a, a <laughs> an argument for every one of Arsenal starting eleven to be player of the season in that mm. position. They've been excellent. Like you go from Ramsdale to White to Zinchenko to Saliba, uh, Odegaard, Shaka, Saka, Martinelli. They've all been outstanding. Played out of their skin. So it's very hard to say I want that fellow. I want to pick this fellow in. And I think Shaka. I'm hearing rumours that he's pretty much wants to go to Boyer Leverkusen as well so look we, if we do get Royce in it'd be excellent but the guts of a, a very very good Arsenal team is there so just need to be careful who we bring in they have to be the right the right fit not just a good player they have to be a, the right fit and the right mentality for the club Monday night then we've got Leicester against Liverpool Sky Sports 8pm we talked about Liverpool a bit earlier on Keith this run that they're on um, five successive victories now in the Premier League just outside the top four albeit they have played a game more than Manchester United so that's still it's still out of their hands as things stand but they'll want to win their last three games and try and put themselves into a position they're up against the Leicester side though fighting for their lives now at this stage after last weekend they've dropped into the bottom three yeah um, it's hard to it's hard to think like I'm looking at Leicester against Fulham and you're thinking they knew Liverpool was next I know they're at home but Liverpool's next probably not expecting to get much out of that so let's go all gun blaze and try and get something out of Fulham they they just look like they didn't realise they were in a, in, in a relegation but they look just lacklustre like Fulham scored I think three goals and then they decided right, let's try 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 a leg here and then you have Madison coming out on social media saying things like we weren't hungry enough why don't you just Get into the training ground and, and do like do it on the pitch. Don't be thinking I'll get my phone and start tweeting about all this. Yeah. Get your priorities right. And it sounded like he was criticising the team. He didn't sound like he was uh, involved himself. Yeah. That's you, you called Madison a good while ago. You called him that I, one I thing to leave. I thought his head was torn. I, I still think his head has been torn. And look, it's, uh, I don't want to be critical of him, but when you're when you're playing for a team who's in a relegation battle and you're coming off and the, the back pass, you had a back, back, bad back pass a couple of weeks ago, gave Barnett, a goal away. Yeah. yeah. His agent have been his ear. Don't be too down about it. Liverpool want you, Arsenal want you, and it's look. Fans don't want to hear that. But if you know oh, you're getting really, you know, I'm probably going to double my wages next season anyway. It's very hard to care. What you want in those circumstances, someone like Rafinha last year, where he's getting clapped off the pitch by the Leeds fans for everyone knew he was going to leave at the end of the year, relegated or not relegated. But the guy put in some big performances at the mm. end of the year to make sure his team stays up. If you're a Leicester fan, that's what you want from Madison. Yeah. Of course, it's grift and effort. Janino and Middlesbrough style. Yeah, that's all you want. Like I, I always come back to it. If you give a hundred percent, the fans will largely accept that. You know, we all have off days. We miscontrol the football. The pass wasn't quite right. But if you're not running around and you're not giving it all, fans will see that and. I think that's happened with uh, with James Madison. Uh, Vardy said during the week, Jamie Vardy, if Leicester stay up, it's a bigger achievement than winning the league. Would you agree? No, that's a mad, that's no, a mad, no. that's a mad quote, isn't it? Well, I think he's he's just trying to get across how big of a of a, a challenge it is. Yeah, he, he's doing the opposite, of Madison. And look, I would prefer stuff like that coming out of Vardy's mouth saying, if if we manage to get out of this, this would be big because that's sort of galvanising his dressing room. It's throwing the gauntlet down there is the challenge, but. 
Madison just seemed to be criticising people and I know he used the word we weren't good enough and we this but it felt like to me he was detaching himself from that performance and saying they weren't good enough and I don't know when you see him in the dressing room on a Monday morning do you shake his hand I, I, I think it's it's yeah. not a great feel at as a teammate what do you make of that because obviously like as a team you would probably talk about that look James is after firing off a tweet yeah well look I've had it before in, in uh, dressing rooms and managers have brought her up on Monday mornings about people tweeting and so, like, I wonder about the Man United players remember they went through under Ragnick particularly there seemed to be a run of it where this mm-hmm. isn't good enough I apologise we're going to put it better and whatever else I'm just wondering as a teammate who maybe isn't doing that what you think about them? I, I I just don't get it I, I think it's something to appease the fans I think when, you, when you're putting out statements like that we weren't good enough we defend from the front we, we that's all stuff for the fans you know what the fans want to see is running around they don't want to see you tweeting and reading your tweets and they go, he's got a spot on with his tweet run around show the fans that you care do it with, with what you're doing on the pitch not with what the words you're using on Twitter and look for me when, when I played on, under Sean Dyche he said you can have you as a Twitter you can have you as a social media but do not speak about football on it if you tweet about football, I'll come down you like a like a, a ton of bricks. And I don't know why that isn't the case still. If yeah. you want to be on it, no problem. To 40 years career, uh, commercial side of it, no problem. But don't talk about football. It's one of the biggest acts of uh, self-belief in Premier League history. Jimmy Vardy turning down Arsenal in 2016 to stay at Leicester. Yeah. Well, uh, what should he have gone, like, in hindsight? I think so, yeah. I think obviously Arsenal... Like, it's hard to tell. Leicester were in a great... Uh, in 2016, were a, a big, big club, but Arsenal are an elite club. And like when you when you think back of how he plays, when he runs the channel, you can just think of P- Arsenal midfielders slipping him through. It looked like a match made in heaven, but sometimes... like uh, I left Preston uh, uh, to go to Burnley, and in hindsight, I would now have stayed in Preston because I was comfortable there. I was happy. I was playing good football. And I think Jamie Vardy sees that at Leicester. He's happy there. His family are settled. He's playing good football. And, I don't probably don't want to be seen as the guy who jumps ship after the success as well. Yeah, well, I don't, well, I don't think he, he really minds either. Yeah, well, yeah well, said was bought, wasn't he? But yeah, I don't think Vardy even minds. He's, he's getting that little bit older now. He knows he can't play every single game. So even if Leicester were to go to the championship, I'm not sure Vardy would be lining up to get out of there. You know, it's, mm. he, he's winding down. His best days are behind him. So if he can, uh, if he can score the goals to keep them in the league, he gets that hero status as well. Well, maybe it wasn't self-belief. Maybe it was a lack of belief that he could do it at Arsenal. But I was always interested by that decision. It's rare you'd see it, isn't it? That a player yeah, turns down a, a, a on paper bigger club. Having met uh, Jamie Vardy a few times, he, he's not low on confidence yeah. whatsoever. He's, he's quite a confident boy. But look, like I say, sometimes it's just a good fit. You know, if your family's happy, if your kids are in a decent school and they're getting on with it, does he human side to all this as well? You know, and if he's earning a hundred grand a week at Leicester and hundred and fifty at Arsenal, it really doesn't make that much Rebecca difference when you're happy, talking yeah. about your your family, you know. Right, are Liverpool going to get a result here and keep this top four race going? Uh, if Look, if Liverpool were at home, I'd give Leicester absolutely no chance. And I still expect Liverpool to go and win the game because Leicester, like, there's so many players you could you could throw under the bus. Jordi Tillemans, Welfast, Sionchu, Christiansen, uh, James Madison as well. Just not good enough. So many of them have just just not torn up that, this season that team will be carved apart if they get relegated mm. exactly. yeah, if that goes down it will really be carved apart and like you say people think you go down you bounce back up with the parachute money that championship is absolutely ruthless you do not want to be going down there if you can avoid it you have to avoid it but saying all that I think Liverpool although they haven't been great they're on this roll they're getting results and they just they have this knack now of not playing well but winning games of football and I think they might just do the same very good, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure. You have been listening to the football kickoff with thanks to Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. We will talk to you again next Friday. The football kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports.